Diagnosed with prostate cancer Shocked me to my core I went looking for an answer Better than my Gleason score The nurse said I was lucky To pick it up so early My circumstance gave a better chance Of a full recovery Welcome to the Penis Project Podcast. Today we're going to talk to Anthony. Now we've spoken to him in earlier episodes, way back around 112 and 113. And Dr. Joe interviewed him about his prehabilitation and what he was doing. And now he's nearly, he's a week under being a year post-op. So it would be great to hear from him about how he's gone a year down the track after he did all that preparation, because we know that prior preparation prevents a piss poor performance. So welcome, Anthony. Thank you for coming, and let's get chatting. Pleasure. So you start where you think the right spot is to start. Well, I guess last time I spoke on the podcast was just before I was going in for surgery. And I think um, one of the good things I did through the process, which uh, Dr. Joe Milios asked me to do, was I recorded my journey through uh, particularly those first few weeks uh, just prior to surgery and and post-surgery. So that for me was a positive thing that I could do to sort of chart it. And I, I kind of always thought I'd have a good outcome. Mm-hmm. I knew I'd put the preparation in. Uh, and now, you're I, young, you know, I, so just tell me, for anyone who's only just started listening and hasn't listened way back then, what, how old are you? I've just turned 55. Perfect. Yep. So I was diagnosed just before I uh, turned 54. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, thank you for calling me young. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but in the scheme of things, yeah. But, you know, in my journey since, I've discovered younger guys who've had issues as mm-hmm. well. So that's why I think it's important, particularly for younger guys, to actually speak about their experiences and the fact that you can actually come through this with some pretty good outcomes. And, yeah, you know, definitely. Um, you know, Joe refers to a eureka patient for example so um apparently i'm one of those and that's awesome to the point where on in my day-to-day life apart from continuing to do my pelvic floor exercises religiously every day um it doesn't really have any impact on my day-to-day living so and that and that was almost within the first week or so post-surgery once I'd had the catheter removed. So I had the radical prostatectomy through the robotic surgery. Yes. Um, within oh, within a week of having the catheter removed, I wasn't using pads, which mm. I just sort of took as, yeah, that's good. I didn't realise just how awesome that was to be that mm. trouble-free. Um, it is really awesome. And I must admit, there's more and more Eureka patients. When I first started doing this, there wasn't many. And now they're really common. So that's great. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hearing more of them too. So I've had I've had little opportunities to go and speak about it. Um, like I went to, there was a masquerade ball uh, at the Hyatt, I think it was, or maybe it was the Pan Pacific uh, mm-hmm. in June. And I got to take my partner to that as well. And I, I was able to give a, a talk about my experience there. And I ran into some other people who had varying degrees of success through their surgery. But um, and that was also a good opportunity to network with other people I'd dealt with in the, in the journey. So, for example, uh, Francesca, who was um, the um, 
prostate cancer nurse at Hollywood yes. Hospital. Yeah. I met her once in my lead up and she was really inspirational to me because I I met her within about three days of diagnosis, which was crucial to me because yeah, I had the whole kind of woe is me, I've got cancer. Oh, yeah. I know Francesca well and, and the prostate cancer nurses, they do a fantastic job. Yeah. Yeah. So she she was really able to say to me, Hey, your prospects are really good. Mm. Yeah, chin up, um, do the prep and you'll be you'll be good. So was, I was grateful to have had the chance to meet her again at that ball, for example, and and let what her know, hey, ball? this is how what, what was the ball for? Uh, it was it was for men's health awareness. So right. prostate cancer was the primary driver of of that. Yeah. So um, and there were some other cancer survivors uh, speaking of that as well. Right. So yeah. But a- apart from that, I hadn't done much um, since then, and that made me think, hey, I've actually got all these videos sitting by that I recorded through this process, which I haven't done anything with yet. So finally, pulled the finger out and edited them all up. Um, and I think that's probably the important thing I want people to know now is I've I've documented this because uh, I've got a background as a journalist, so I kind of know how to present. Yes. Uh, and and I found when I started my journey, that material wasn't easy to find. And my, mm. my partner, who's American, she lives in America, she did all this research for me to start with, and it was gloom and doom, and it was stuff from about seven or eight years ago, and there's these American doctors getting up saying, oh, your life's going to be stuffed and don't believe it's everything I tell you. old data. And it's yep. the problem with research is even though, you know, research that's being done now and counting statistics, it won't get, like, published for five or more years. So mm. we're always at least five years behind what's published. Yeah. Yeah, and that was one of the cool things linking up with Joe was my physio, for example. So I knew she, well, I didn't know this until she told me, but we hit it off really well and she told me about the studies that she had done and um, don't do three sets of pelvic floor exercises a day, do six because my thesis showed the outcomes are 30% better or whatever the statistics were. So I'll do anything that's going to give me that chance at the outcome. She challenged me to lose some weight. I wasn't particularly big. But mm-hmm. I was bigger than I'd ever been. I, I lost ten kilos in the space of two or three months prior it to makes the surgery. Such a difference to people. Huge difference. Yeah. Huge difference. And I think you know the driver for me. You're right. I'm young. I'm 55. I still want an active sex life as well. Of and for the nerve sparing uh, opportunities that losing that weight gave me, it absolutely worked. So I was able to be sexually active again within days of a catheter coming out. Now, I don't know if I necessarily should have or not, but my partner was here helping me through the recovery, and that certainly helped. And the, the confidence boost. Oh, the of, mental health of that would have been oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was ticking all these boxes going, well, that's back to normal. That's back to normal. All that gloom and doom stuff that you were never a prospect of if you'd listened to that older research, totally redundant. And I just wanted people to know this is possible. Yeah. So Who I guess that's your surgeon. Uh, Dr. Richard Pemberton. Yeah. Okay. Great. And he's quite quite experienced, and that was Very, you know yeah. reassuring to me. Very. Uh, and all all the services were were quite well linked. So the restorative um, sexual um, health yeah. uh, doctors. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so Kendall was the one I went and saw there, and it was all good information. It was all sort of if you had the right attitude about it, I think it just made all the difference of hey, don't be defeatist about this. Actually, defeat it. You know mm. and. Every step I took, I'd walk religiously for 30 minutes a day and go as hard as I could, and I felt myself springing along with the motivation to to get myself in the best possible shape. And the outcome has just been, you know, awesome to the point I'm pretty offhand about it now because it's just such not an issue in my life, which, you know, obviously it was a year ago, but now 
I'm pretty much living normally. So this is something I'm really interested in is the mental health of people after and also like if they've had any changes in their viewpoint of the world and what it means for them. Like, you know, whether you have a good recovery or a crappy one, I think surely having a cancer diagnosis, and I haven't had one before, changes maybe the way you think about things. And I'm I'm quite interested in that. Like, do you feel like it changed your outlook or opened up new doors for you that you didn't have before? Yeah, it did. Uh, and in, in two factors. So I've always been a pretty hard worker at, at work and I still am. So I'm a public servant. I work with police. Um, but I decided, look, I work hard enough as it is. I make decent enough money. I'm happy with that. I want to expand what I'm doing outside of my work areas. So um, I've been recording music and playing music for, for years. Funnily enough, as part of the process, again, Joe <laughs> is one of these people who knows everybody in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, she asked me within, within 10 days, I think it was, of surgery to go and perform for her at a, a yoga a session at Leaderville Oval, for example. Yeah, I was so there. I saw yeah, you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she had a singer who needed a backup guitarist. Joe knew yeah. I played guitar, so I had to learn this song I'd never heard of before. I played that. I thought, well, that wasn't that hard. Within a week of that, I think I was playing in a river cruise. It was bizarre. Um, again, she had a connection. Someone needed someone to play some music. So I went out there and played my original songs there for, for a set and was well-received and thought, yeah, I need to actually pull the finger out and record my albums and stuff. And then I started thinking about... Um, joining a band as a uh, singer and guitarist. So I auditioned for a band and and got in and, you know, hopefully we'll be starting to play by the end of the year. We've got to to do a bit more rehearsing. It's very hard to get blokes our age all together at the same time. But um, that's going well. And, you know, I've finally, I've I've written, I've at least written over 120 songs. I've recorded a good 50 of them and I decided I'm going to pick 12 of my best and release an album. So I've only, I've done that in the past week. Wow, uh, that's interestingly, amazing. So what's it going to be called? Do we know so we can tell people? Oh, yes. That? It's called Waiting for Summer and my name is Solo Sidekick, so go looking for that. But the other thing to look for too, Joe said I should write a song about prostate cancer. I was now, wondering, that is my next question. <laughs> it's not It's not a song-worthy sort of topic generally. But again, it, it you know percolated in my brain. I found, and my songwriting process is usually stuff comes to me when I'm not thinking about it. I, for this one, I was mowing the lawn, and suddenly all these little terms about um, lifting your nuts to your guts and um, the pelvic floor exercises and being a eureka patient—all these things tumbled into my brain into a simple country sort of sounding songs while I'm mowing the lawn. Wow! I got I it from mowing the lawn. The sound of that. <laughs> Sat down, started writing his song out, and I pretty much had it written within half an hour and just all the experience sort of came through to me there. So Joe asked me, I told her about it. She asked if she could play it at a function she was at in Melbourne for men's health there and did that, and then I ended up recording it. So going back to that whole solos, solo sidekick thing, it's now on YouTube, and I've put it on, on a personal page there where I've also got uh, all of the well, the, the 20 uh, videos I recorded about my prostate cancer journey. So I'm doubling down on on what I've been able to do. And that's just something I've kind of always wanted to do, but yeah. life has got in, in the way. And I think to go back to the original question, yes, you do have a different outlook on life. Other things take priority for you. And I thought I wanted to sort of embrace that creative side a bit that's more, fantastic. which is what I've been able to do. Yeah. 
So, and have you kept the 10 kilos off? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Or maybe I'll, I'll put a couple on. I, I probably got to a point. So I'm, I'm six foot tall and I got up to about 92 and a half kilos prior to surgery. Uh, I got down to 82 and a half before and it, mm-hmm. I looked a bit yeah, thin that's for Yeah, thin I'm, for that. I'm mm. sitting about 84 and a half, 85 now, which is what I should be. I think Perfect. that's where I was comfortably at in my late 20s, for example. Yeah. And part of that has been I've maintained the exercise regime. I've always exercised. I've cut my carbs radically while I was preparing. And the simple thing, I'm, I'm still eating, eating a breakfast that I decided upon at the time, which is protein high and carbs low. And the recipe for that is in my video series. Um, but I've cut back on breads, for example. So I don't. I used to eat six slices of bread a day, just mm-hmm. two bits of toast and four sandwiches. I don't do that anymore. I eat um, high protein, low carb wraps. Yeah, that's right. probably all I've needed to do to to maintain that weight. And just feeling the uh, benefit of not carrying that extra weight. I still play sport. I play touch rugby. When I went back to that, and I was playing within six weeks of surgery, I was flying. I was zipping around. I just thought, wow, I feel 20 years younger being able to do all of this. But it's not just stuff. your prostate cancer surgery will have gone better because you lost the weight. You know, imagine how much healthier your heart is now. Oh, and yeah. Arteries and, you know, you're not you're much less likely to develop type 2 diabetes because you don't have extra weight on and you're not eating so many carbs. Like, yeah. you know, it's just there's this onflow effect that I think is really hard to see when you first get a diagnosis of cancer. But. It's why it's so nice to like look back and go, you know what, I'm probably healthier than I was before that that diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. and and when when you feel the difference, you think, well, why would you want to go back to that? You know that you know I, I like my bags of chips, for example, but they don't taste as good as feeling the energy of being that that much fitter. So, so yeah. I, you know, I still I pretty much eat what I want, but uh, just just conscious of, of that as well. Yeah, that's great. And so do you feel like that your life, and this is a really long draw, like, you know, what's the what's that analogy, a long cord to draw? Long drawn analogy. That's yeah. one of those. Um, do you feel like your life is better and you're more fulfilled now post-prostate cancer surgery or prostate cancer diagnosis than you were before? Uh, yeah, in that uh, I've probably embraced those extra elements in my life. So um, the maintaining the fitness it's a drive for me um my daughter's bought me an apple watch for my birthday last year for example and just you know to complete your rings every day uh i don't necessarily get there on the movement stuff but i'll certainly get there on the exercise and the standing and and that kind of thing so um that's and it's i'm 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 well motivated by things like that and i'm (laughs) almost you know obsessive about making sure i complete goals and and that kind of thing so yeah because you can see it it's like yeah on you yeah yeah, that's yeah. great. But um, it, it, it occurred to me I've got one cautionary tale for people recovering and it's something I didn't know about until it happened. After about three months after my surgery, I probably went a bit hard with the rehab in terms of abdomen work. Yep. I developed a hernia. Yeah. And I'd since found it's about a 10 to 15% risk. Yeah, it's quite um, common. Yeah, yeah. So, and the way I found out, I was refereeing at the state touch championships. So it's three days of running around mm. with much younger people uh, in the middle of summer. And I had this lump, which I, I'm trying to, I'm thinking, well, that's got to be related to the surgery or something. It's, and I looked up a few things. And originally I thought it was a swollen gland of no, some sort. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And 
then I looked further into it and thought, ah, seems like it's a hernia. So I persisted through the tournament. Mm. Fortunately, I got a quick diagnosis of it and I got it uh, repaired within two weeks. And again, it's sort of connection. So again, through the, the this journey, the connections I made, I don't know if I should be shouting to, to other doctors or whatever, but um, yeah, they, they got me a shortcut to get in and get that fixed up. But it's up. great, so, I think, because... I just think it's really great to like have the positives, but it's also great to like do that because if you feel like a eureka patient immediately post-op, the temptation I think is to go and push a bit hard, but oh, yeah. you know, you yeah. still cut all the way through your whole muscle for them to do it. So it is yeah. weak. And so that's a really good thing to tell people, I think is, you know. Oh yeah. And um, if, if there's one thing that wasn't told that I wish I'd been told, it was it was that. So, and I haven't got that in the video series because it happened after I'd finished I all of that. I so. always tell men when I see them pre-op, like it, no matter how great you feel because pe- the surgeons are so good at now, but no matter how f- good you feel and how well you've recovered, please don't overdo it like in the first few months with the abdo because of the risk of hernia. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, and I think that's a really important thing that we should get out there because, and yeah, if you're not told that before and you feel amazing, then you just think, and particularly men, they like to push it to the limit, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. I can do that. So I'm going to keep doing it, you know? Yeah. And I, I found that, that as well. So I now have a much bigger scar from the hernia surgery than I ever did from the abdominal surgery. Like I can't, if I didn't tell you I'd had abdominal surgery, you wouldn't see it on my stomach now. Whereas, you know, it's a fairly intimate area where I've got my other scar, but it's, it's, it's there, and that's that's the one that probably if I've got any sort of side effects, I'm still sort of feeling that a little. Every now and then, I'll feel a little pull or something inside, and I've just got to remind myself, you know, that's right. It's it takes a long time to recover from abdominal surgery, so it's, it's not pain. Every now and then, it's just a little tickle or something that tells me, yeah, that's that happened. Yeah, and if somebody wants to um, listen to your music then how do they do that? Or we have to wait till the album comes out and download it? On oh, Spotify. the album's out. The album's, yeah, so it's, it's, on, it's on all the streaming services. So um, the easiest way is just to look up Solo Sidekick, which is S-I-D-E-K-I-C-K, yep. Solo Sidekick. Look at that on any of the socials. Um, you'll find it there. So certainly on YouTube, it's got a whole playlist there, but it's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, Apple Music, um, all the ones that people no and one loves solo sidekick where we go as well for the re- for your YouTube yeah. videos, isn't it? So if if you're looking for those ones, um, you'll find a link off the the prostate cancer song. So I've actually posted the prostate cancer song on there, and in the comments here, I've got a link to that video series. But if anyone looks up prostate cancer song solo sidekick or Anthony Robertson, I've got it. I've got two YouTube accounts. You'll find it that way. Um, I'll also get you to send me the link and I'll pop it in the show notes so that yes. we can watch it. Yeah, that'd be great. So where to for you now? Like what's next? Um, good question. I sort of feel I've ticked a few boxes. Uh, clearly getting this band record, um, out and playing in public would be, be great. Um, my biggest mission in life at the moment, and this relates back to episodes 112 and 113, is getting my partner to come over and actually stay here. So that would be she, nice. lives in, yeah. she lives in Las Vegas. Um, but, you know, she's got a few things she's dealing with over there as well. Uh, in the meantime, I've learnt to, to live through this experience. She's been over four times in the past 18 months, which is awesome. How did you um, meet, meet someone who lives in Las Vegas? Online. 
like wow. all good people too. And, you know, during COVID, so we didn't actually physically get to meet for two years, but we cover all of that in episodes 112 and 113. Great. Um, yeah, but, I, again, having her support was so important through this journey as well because um, she was very motivational about, well, yeah, you'll get through all of this. She made sure she was out here when I we, – we went away for a little holiday before the surgery and she stayed right through that period. I think she was here a good eight weeks post-surgery. So by the time I had gone back to work and was up and, and running, then, you know, she sort of done her duty, I suppose, in that regard. Uh, and that was just uh, prior to Christmas, for example. Mm. So, um, yeah, and again, she was also probably the reason I found out I had prostate cancer in the first place. It was suddenly, you know, not having a partner for a while suddenly yeah. becoming active again and wanting to sort of deal with some issues there going and seeing the gp getting a test which showed by the way uh, yeah gleason levels are ridiculously high right. go and get that checked did you out have any family and history did i know i had any family history no did i find out i had family history yes <laughs> uh and interesting that my father is actually going through prostate cancer now himself wow. so he's he's seven. Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't think he was a candidate for the um, the surgery, so he's going through radiation therapy on that at the moment. So he's in in the throes of that. Um, I know it's sort of exhausting him a bit at the moment. But he lives in Canberra, so I, mm-hmm. and it's not easy to to come and go to do that. He's very independent anyway, but um, yeah. he wouldn't have had that figured out if he hadn't gone and checked as well. So we're really on to my brother to make sure that he gets into it. But I, I had a couple of uncles. I had a couple of cousins, all of which I found out about after the fact. So I've, men don't I've made talk it my mission. No, no. And that's, and again, through work, I work with police. I was able to do something internally there to promote people. And it's amazing once you start talking about it, everyone comes to you with their stories about yeah. it as well. Everyone knows somebody. And more often than not, I, I met people who I knew and didn't know they'd gone through prostate cancer and they had. And and not only that, they had the same surgeon and they had the same physio and they had pretty much the same outcome. So mm-hmm. for, for me, in, in the lead up, knowing, oh, well, you had that and you're good, all right. Well, there's no reason why I shouldn't be good too. So, And, again, we, we I don't name names or anything. If they're mm-hmm. not comfortable with that, that's their business. I don't care about telling people about my experience because I kind of feel it's my debt as a Eureka patient to um, to create more of us yeah, so that right. the, the motivation is there so people know that, that this is achievable. And even if it's not, I've had I've had other people who haven't had the same outcomes and I've, I've had people put them in, in touch with me and they're asking me questions about, well, what about this, what about that, how many t- sets of exercises should I do? So that's why I, I like pointing them to the video series and going, well, this was my experience. It may not work the same way for you, but it might be a hell of a lot better than if you don't follow some of these practices. Oh, of uh, and, and be patient with it as well. I think I can be a bit impatient, um, but I think I had that positive mindset of, well, I'm going to smash this. And luckily I did. Not everyone has the same benefit of, of being detected so early. Um, so, the, you know, it was a very minimal amount that I had there in the end. When Joe showed me the pathology when it was sent through there, I had a little black dot on the, the prostate. Mm-hmm. The prostate itself was only small as well. So that, you know, made it easier for the surgeon, all of that sort of stuff. She then showed me um, another patient who 
or just their scan sort of thing, and their their prostate was black. Yes. And they right. and they had you know a twenty percent prospect, whereas mine was stupidly ninety eight point five percent. It also depends on things like how long your bladder neck is and a lot of things, but you can definitely mm-hmm. improve your outcomes by yeah by doing certain things. Well, I actually think it's really important to hear these kind of good news stories because I think it's like anything. If you go to a barbecue and people are chatting about their health, no one hears the good stories. They always hear the bad. Yeah. And if you turn up at a prostate cancer support group, there's always someone that's been going for years and years and years and has had a bad outcome. Um, But a few weeks ago, I actually interviewed a guy called Brooke on the podcast who had a an excellent outcome as well. And it's interesting. I had a lot of emails from people, listeners saying that was so great. It was so inspirational to hear that. But I also had a lot of feedback was with like, I had to turn it off halfway through. I felt so depressed that he'd had such a good outcome and mine was so terrible, you know? So I think there's, but I think what's really important is that people know that you can have a good outcome. Whereas it used to be everyone had a pretty bad outcome, you know, from a, from a life point of view. Yeah. And if nothing else, um, you know, people talk about, oh, yeah, once, you, once you're over 50, you should get a check. No, don't wait that long. There's, there's, I've met guys in their 30s and 40s who are getting that early detection Especially and getting the good outcomes. Especially if you've got a family history. Exactly, yeah. 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 That was great. Thank you so much, Anthony. I'm going to listen to your music. I'm going to see if I can get the person who edits my podcast for me to put, it, put your song on, if that's okay with you, as the beginning and end of this episode. Excellent. I'd love to do that. That would be really great. In fact, yeah, that'd be great. So is that all right? Sure. I've actually cheated in my video series. I, I inserted one of my own little songs in there musically as well. So Great. I'll just be so good. We'll change, we'll, we'll change it up and have a different intro and outro song this time. That'd be excellent. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you getting in touch and that you've let us talk about your 12-month post. And I will definitely direct people to the YouTube because I just think – having the lived experience is just, it's irreplaceable. You can never get, you, you know, I always feel like, you know, all these health professionals, you know, I'm a woman, I don't even have a prostate. Most of the, I don't know a surgeon who's ever had his prostate out yet, you know, so it doesn't really matter. No one knows the experience except someone who's lived it. And also if you listen to someone's experience from five or 10 years ago, it's very different to today. So I just think it's really valuable. So that'll be great. Have you got lots of people who've been watching the YouTube um, look, I think so. I don't, I don't really go and, and check it that much. It was a little flurry when I first put it out there. Um, I think people have got to know that it's there, though. So thanks for the opportunity here to to promote it, so that you know, and means nothing to me if people do or don't go and look at no. it. I just, I would hope for their sake, they get something out of it. Um, yeah. And you know, and, and thanks to to people like you, women who don't have prostates who are dealing with this stuff all the time. Hats off to you guys. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have to deal with it if it wasn't my issue. So um, that that it encourages people to come forward and and normalise what is becoming a very normal thing. Um, really important. So you know, thanks recently, to you and your community. I recently saw an advert for somebody advertising how you know um, I'm a man, so I understand. Come and see me about this, like a health professional. And it was in another place, not in Western Australia. But I thought to myself, that's kind of silly. I mean, you know, you don't have to – I was a midwife before I ever had my own baby, you know, and then, like, I look after people who have had breast cancer and I've never had breast cancer. Like, you don't 
I certainly think having a lived experience and being able to provide people with that is great. But, you know, that's what being a health professional is about, is about trying to have <clears throat> empathy and listen to enough people that you understand what they're going through rather than personalising it. So, yeah, yeah, I think um, it's great. There's a lot of people working in this space now and it's just becoming more and more talked about and I think people are getting more and more help, so it's fantastic. Yeah, well, information's key. Like I said before, uh, even a year ago, I went looking for for stuff that wasn't there to be found. It's it's coming out there, it's, it's and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to contribute to that pool so that if someone in my situation gets diagnosed, they can find something pretty quickly that's actually going to give them that little extra incentive to to get through and get over that whole woe is me thing, which is perfectly natural when you first get of diagnosed. Yeah, but you know, like I said, I I got. Good positive information within about three days. It was a Friday afternoon when I went and saw Francesca. If I hadn't gone there, I would have gone through that whole weekend on my own feeling the world was against me. Instead, I went into going, well, okay, this sucks, but I'm going to beat this. And it was yeah. it made all the difference to my approach to the whole thing. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, people will Google it when they're in that panic mode and they'll find their way to your YouTube. I'll also put the link to your YouTube on my website as well because I think a lot of people get there when – when they're looking for information. So that'd be great. Yeah. Thank well, that, that was the intent because it was all, I, I called it the penis project thing for want of a better term to, to call it there. So it's just branded with you guys and um, away you go, you know, promote it as much as you want. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much. Now I don't need an old nappy and I may be shooting blanks, but I keep my woman happy. I'm giving thanks. I'm called a Eureka patient. I hope you're enjoying today's episode. And as a thank you for being a part of our podcast community, I have an exclusive offer for you. If you would like our assistance with sexual health, head on over to www.melissahadleybarrett.com forward slash programs and use the code TPP5 at the checkout. Here you will find everything you need to know to be on the path to penile perfection. I'm giving thanks Preparation and perseverance And a little patience too My recipe is clear to see Stop leaking pee and impotency My recovery philosophy If it worked for me Hey, it could work for you My recovery philosophy If it worked for me it could work for you.